So I wanted to just say a few words about goals um, and goal setting. Uh, ideas that we've, we have spoken about them before, but they're occurring to me again as something worth uh, thinking out, especially as people are making plans for the future, as the end of Zman coming. Um, generally, in life, I find it useful to remember these points. Um, in pretty much every conversation I've had, with people making life decisions, these points need to be reviewed. So here we are, reviewing them. Goals. There's a uh, there's a famous motivational speaker story uh, that is told by the motivational speakers about this Harvard research uh, project where they had the they had the Harvard students uh, and their goals. Right. So they had one set of Harvard students where they didn't talk to them about their goals. Um, you know, for the future. And another set of students that they spoke to about their goals, try to get clear what their goals were. And another set of students actually wrote those goals down. And clearing it, they wrote it down. There's another level of commitment, I guess. And they tracked them over time, and they saw that the ones that the more connected and clear they were about their goals, the more successful they were. Okay? Over time. The ones with no clear goals, less the ones with clear goals more, and the ones who actually wrote the clear goals down, they were the most successful at all. And it's so, therefore, it's so important to have clear-cut goals and to write them down, and then you'll be more successful. So many ways to, uh, to knock, so, so many ways to upslug that piece of research, but we don't have to, because apparently it's nonsense, and it never happened. Um, or, I, or it happened, but that's not, what, that's not what they saw. There was no correspondence. Um, between the end and the beginning. I think it just didn't happen altogether. Okay, look it up. We'll look it up. But definitely not as presented. This whole idea was definitely a lie. But a very believable lie. Right? A lie that believable enough that motivational speakers got away with it. They cla- and yeah, I think they can, the whole story was made up and it just spread through motivational speakers who then begun, had, began to rely on other motivational speakers as primary sources. Right? And that's why we're so careful in the Teide world not to rely on each other's primary sources. I need to go back to the Rishonim. I need to show me, again, how they got it from the Gemaras. To go back, because otherwise something slips in. And I don't know it's unsubstantiated because I'm trusting these guys. They are a source. They say it's in the Torah. It's in the Torah. They're not showing me where they got it from. You know, all of a sudden you have generations of people teaching this piece of Torah, and the whole thing was a fabrication. It happens, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, that's what we try to avoid. So this happened with the Harvard thing. But it seems correct. The reason why we bought that lie was because there, there's a, a truthiness to it. I think it's a Conan O'Brien term. There's a truthiness to it where that sounds like it could be true. Right? Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But it feels true, and now those people believed it. Why? Because we sense that having clear-cut goals and written down, committed to paper, would give me a clearer direction in life, and I'd get, uh, I'd be more successful, as opposed to the confusion when I don't have clear goals and I'm just kind of flopping all over the place. Of course I don't get so far in life. We even have our little stereotypes in our head of the go-getter. He's got a suit on, most likely, power suit, right, and shiny black shoes, and he's catching the 617 train into work, Morning, Mr. Johnson. Morning, Mr. Got the whole thing. The 
secretary. You got a whole world. You could picture him in your head. And then you got Floppy Nogles over here, who's still got his dream of being a fusion trombone player. And he's working in the cafe, coffee shop to make ends meet till he gets discovered. Right? Or he's building art out of garbage and selling it at a, at a art fairs in the Booker Tone. Coconut Grove, sorry. Right? Making little mobiles out of Coke cans. You know, these guys, they flop around and they end up doing weirdo stuff and nothing. Uh, that's what we see. You know, we have our stereotypes. So it feels like there's a correctness and a truthiness to this. But I would like to offer um, a little bit, maybe from a Torah perspective also, why it's not true. And why when you think about it, you realize it's not true. Because that's not... The, the problem with thinking is that thinking and life are not the same thing. You can build a world of thought made out of your thoughts, right? With causes and effects and rules. It's a very complex world of how things work. And the problem that, and that's great. You could run tests in there, you could figure things out. The problem is, is when you confuse that thought world for the real world and you're deciding to interact with the real world based on how things ran through the thought world program. All right, so in your head you came up with theories that made sense. Like for example, we said today that a good, day, a good way to deal with anger was to ensure that your patient, whatever client, whatever they call them now, expresses that anger. And then that was in the thought, and as a thought, sounds pretty good. If you hold it in, it's going to burn you up. you got to let it out, and then it'll go. Right? Hold it in, let it out. Sounds good. Sounds reasonable. But research began to indicate that letting it out was making it worse. It was feeding the anger. In fact, letting it out was a terrible plan. And so reality in the actual world didn't correspond to your thought world. Right? That is the danger and the problem with too much thinking and not enough research. So here, this idea of the goals and these things in a thinking level, cerebral level, thoughtiness, makes a lot of sense. We could sell that to ourselves. And in many motivational speaking seminars, people did. Whole crowds of people, hundreds, thousands of people convinced themselves that that made sense. And they went home and they sorted out their goals and they wrote them down. And God bless them, probably a lot of them stuck to them. And now I'm willing to believe that when you go through that process, you may be more successful in attaining the goals that you put down on the piece of paper. That part of the story I'm willing to believe. If I'm willing to define success as how well did you accomplish the tasks that you put down on that paper, I am on board. I said I could do that research right now. And I predict, hypothesis, is that that's what will happen. People who are clear on their goals and committed to them, writing them down, they'll be closer to those goals later on. I just don't like the word successful. Successful is a much more general term. It's a life term. He is successful. They're more successful. The indication is that these people are better. That they're winning life. And that I don't think is true.
at all. Because life is not a machine. The world is not a machine. They had an idea like that for a while, Newton and stuff and the cosmic machine, but that, it didn't pan out so well to how the real world works. What do I mean it's not a machine? I mean, it's not static. Well, it's not a static place where everything is what it is. Today, tomorrow, and the next day. You can get the feeling like that sometimes, but it's not. Everything's in flux. It's a dynamic place, this world. Everything's shifting all the time. So when I'm talking about a goal, and let's define a goal. A goal is someplace I want to end up. Right? It's someplace that I want to be. It's a target, a destination for me, where I want to hit, where I want to organize from here till there. So I got three components to any goal setting process. I got me, I'm the one that's going to be moving to the target. I got the target, which is where I'm going to move. And I got the derech, which is how I'm going to move from here to that target. Okay, everybody catches the three components? Seems pretty straightforward so far. So I want to be a lawyer, right? So me, currently, my current personality is lawyerly. I'm going to fit the lawyer game, right? Lawyer seems like the Mila, seems like a good shidduch between my personality and the lawyer thing. And the derech is going to be through law school, this particular law school, if you want to get more specific, this particular law school, this particular law firm, or just law school, law firm, and general. some combo of law school and law firm is going to get me to be a lawyer. That is goal setting 101. The problem is, is that all three of those components are going to change over time. You are going to be different because you don't say the same unless you work at it. You don't say the same all the time. You start to, as time goes on and you get more exposure, to more people and more situations. You start to learn more about life. Maybe visit a different country. You see a whole different type of culture. It calls into question your basic beliefs about what has to be and what doesn't and how people live and how they don't. And you start to question yourself, am I lawyerly? Am I a lawyerly person? It impacts you, you start discovering new parts of your personality that you were not aware of before. Please God, should happen to everybody. And you're like, yeah, there's a part that seems kind of lawyerly, but look at all these other parts. Right? Look at all these other parts. I'm also a fantastic uh, hospital clown. Knock it out of the park. They said they've never seen anything like it. And I tell you what, I go to work every day, at some point, I'm sobbing tears, sometimes tears of joy, sometimes tears of empathy with these children. And I can't imagine a more emotionally rich experience than this. I'm built for this. Be a hospital clown in children's oncology ward. Lawyer was just such a small segment of my personality. In the depth of me, that's not what I am. That could happen. Or you could realize that being a lawyer... Is not what he thought it was. You go meet lawyers, you hang out in the summer, you intern in the law firm, and you see these guys, and you say, well, I don't want to be these guys. These guys are nuts. They're all heart-attacking, nervous, breakdown-y, psycho, totally egocentric, 
arrogant psychopaths. I don't want to be like that. That's what lawyers are? I had a whole picture of lawyers as, uh, whatever, champions of the people or bearers of the truth, whatever you thought lawyers were. And the reality of lawyers sets in. It's like, wow, my whole picture of lawyers changed. Now calls into question if I really want to head over there. Maybe I, I admit I still have lawyerly parts, <clears throat> but maybe those lawyerly parts would be best served in a different context than being a lawyer. I can use those lawyerly cocos in a not-for-profit organization and something in some way my legal skills could be put to use, not as a lawyer in a firm like I thought, but as a different, as part of a legal team of some company that's doing something good for people. I don't know, there's ways to put legal skills. A lot of people in Hollywood had law school backgrounds. I never, I don't really understand that one, but it happens. Or alternatively, so that's dynamic also. Dynamic and changing your concept of what a lawyer is. And also, the path you've chosen to get there. You're going to do the law school, law firm kind of thing. Now that seems like a reasonable path. If I'm Lawyer Lee, and the lawyer is where I want to go, so this seems like the simplest path, but there are many people who run in through all sorts of ways. Maybe that becomes not the best path. Maybe for the kind of lawyer I want to be, maybe it's better if I didn't do law school. Maybe they're looking for a more avant-garde, uh, you know, cutting-edge kid with new ideas, and I want to come out of left field with some legal schooling from uh, Japan, Japanese legal school, whatever, I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about the law school world, but maybe a whole different thing. I did an, I'm going to law school. I did an apprenticeship in a two-man law firm in a, in a, in a, in a three, in flea-bit town in the middle of Arkansas or something. I don't know. I don't know. Come up with something. <clears throat> so even your relationship with the, the derech, is also going to be dynamic. So now, and most likely, all of these things are going to be changing. Your concept of yourself is changing, and your concept of what you think is a relevant goal is changing, and your concept of the right way to get from here to that goal is changing. So you're not even sure how to get to the thing that you're not even sure what it is, and not even sure about if you really want to go there anyway. Right? You're not sure about anything. It's flux. It's in total flux. So at one particular point in your life, and unfortunately in the world that we live in, you're like 18 years old, you start making decisions about the future. And those decisions have a very static nature to them. They involve certain courses of action with certain goals. The goal is doctor. The course of action is a whole ridiculous amount of schooling. To get to be doctor, there's set ways for these things, and now you static, staticize your whole existence that could have been so dynamic, and you end up staticizing yourself as well. Why? Because since this is the plan, and everything gets invested in the plan, and the whole society and culture and family that you're with all support the plan and are all on board with this, and that's what they're doing, that's what they're funding, and that's what they're, and it would be a betrayal on your part to abandon the plan. What they invest so much money into you for? And it brings shame and disgrace on the family name for generations. But you're changing. 
You don't like what doctors look like anymore. Or you yourself have discovered parts of yourself you never saw before. Or you don't think medical school is a good idea for humans. You don't like the derech or the tachlis or the goal or yourself in terms of this picture. And you realize you want to style pet's hair. You want to be a pet hairstylist. That sings. That resonates with you. Right? That's really what I'm about. I style people's pets. Poodles and such. That's me. Oh, that's much more me than this doctory stuff ever was. But what are you going to do? You can't. You're locked in. You're locked in. And now you'll be miserable your whole life. There's a whole alternate universe where you were curling, uh, curling irons and poodles and, and whatever. I don't know anything about dog grooming, but you could have been a groomer. Maybe getting a horse this little bit is good money. That could have been. And it would have been more in line with who you were. But you locked it down from beforehand and you were stuck on the doctor path. From decisions you made when you were 18, there's no way you knew anything about yourself at that age. It'd be the worst, if there could be a worst age to make those decisions. You shouldn't be making those decisions ever. But if you were going to lock yourself into a life plan, the last age <laughs> that you should be is as you're emerging from teenagehood. Teenagehood is like a brutal uh, hormonal beating that you take. It's the most out of control, total uh, lack of whatever they call emotional regulation. So much confusion mixed with arrogance, mixed with just stupidity, and yet assertiveness. And uh, it's like you couldn't make a worse recipe. You have a guy, you have a hormonal, emotionally out of control, ridiculous, like legitimately uneducated, stupid confused kid who thinks he has it all worked out and knows it better than anyone else, that is the guy that you would never give any significant decisions to. And he's going to make life decisions for himself and lock himself down into some kind of track. Right? That seems like a good plan. No, it does not, sir. Now, generally, he just lets society choose for him, but he's choosing to allow society to choose for him. So what do we say to this? What would be the alternative? No plan. It's a recognition that I don't know what I am. And I don't know where I would want to be, where I try to get to. And then I certainly don't know then the derech, these steps I need to be taken to get from here to there. I don't really know where here is, I don't know where there is. So I don't know what the road is. But then we're all just gonna, we're gonna be that guy at the coffee shop. Serving coffee, he's 50 years old, he's still making lattes, getting yelled at by 16-year-old girls because the latte's not hot enough. And he's got to apologize to Bunny. I'm so sorry, Bunny. Check it's, it's N-N-I-E, not N-N-Y. I have to apologize. So sorry. So sorry, my broken voice because he's broken. Broken by life. Never gonna get anywhere. Nobody wants that, we know that's wrong. So what do we do, what do we do? So I think what we do, is I think our answer to that is that we live in tents.
Okay, our answer to that is Teireh, living in tents. Yoshev ish tam, Yoshev ayhalim. Yaakov ish tam, Yoshev ayhalim. Yaakov was an ish tam. Tam has to do with shalim. Simple in a sense of being whole. And now we learn from Rashi, there's Esuk Betoya. So Esuk Betoya in the tents, what's with the tents? That's his thing, Yeshev Ayhalim. So we know from Chazal that Yoshev denotes a particular type of dwelling. It's a settling. It's a settling. I'm settling in. That's why Yeshev Yaakov asked me if he got in trouble. Because Yaakov Leishev Beshalva meant he was sitting, he was dwelling. He'll do another yoga where I'm a gear, just traveling through, just camping out. I wasn't camping out. I was dwelling there, I was living there. You brought in the fridge, you moved the fridge, and now you know you live there. Then Zichron in the summer, these guys used to move on to the beach. And they'd bring their couches, they had a generator with a fridge and these big freshwater showers set up. They moved on to the they moved there. So he was dwelling in the tents. That's what he did. But where is he dwelling? In an ohel. What's an ohel? An ohel is a temporary dwelling. It is movable. It's a movable item. It's something you can pack up. It's 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 like a house, but travel edition. You could pack it up and move it along to somewhere else and set up home somewhere else. Not like a bite that's stuck to this particular piece of ground. It's a mobile house, mobile home. Living in the trailer. Which means that he's not set, having roots, not settling down and setting roots in this place. He's ready to move. This is the conflict that we're seeing here. But on the one hand, he's going to invest in full in this place, wherever he is. This is my home. This is where I'm going to live. I'm going to put down roots. That becomes a very static activity. But then the ohel beckons. It all means that he's ready to also uproot and move to somewhere else completely. As we saw in the psukim by the Midbar, sometimes one day, sometimes two days, sometimes a year. We never knew when it was going to be. We're always ready, which means that I'm not really setting down roots here. I'm always ready to go. Maybe I shouldn't unpack. Why am I vayesh? I should be a yogar. Keep the fridge in the thing. Maybe don't unpack the fridge. It's a big pain. To have both those, both those things is not natural, but it is the right way to live. You have to live life the way you see it, with the understanding that you have of what you are and who you are, the understanding that you have of where you need to get to, obviously defined by the Torah of what's good, going to become a mass murderer. No, defined by the Torah of what's good, and the understanding of the best, most reasonable way to get from here to there, that is going to be your life, and settle into it. Settle! Meaning immerse in that. Oh, and now that means you have to take the ACTs and get into this percentile, get this. Yeah! You're doing it. 
this is what you understood to be the correct path. This now is Ratzon Hashem. You move from here to there down these roads. So do it. Do it in full. Do it in full. Get in there. Settle into it. But do it in a tent. Meaning if at any point during that process, that very static process, things start to become more dynamic, and you start to make discoveries about yourself, or about this derech, or about this tachlis, this goal, that maybe are not what I thought they were, I'm going to pack it up and move on. I'll pack it all up. Oh, but we've been here for a year, but there's been so much investment. Invested so much. You change, you're in school, and think about how much people invest for medical school. I'm going to have student loans. We have tens of thousands of dollars in student loans. You're just going to abandon ship and go do something else? How? How are you going to pay off the loans? Your family. Generations have been dreaming of the doctor. And you're just going to throw their dreams in the garbage? There's going to be a lot of resistance to this. But I can do it. I'm in a tent, not in a bite. You know what gets to be a bite? A besamigdosh. A besamigdosh, besakneses, besamedjes. They get to be houses because they're not going anywhere. A place designated for limonatoire doesn't go anywhere. A place designated for tefillah, our connection to Hashem, doesn't go anywhere. Tefillah, tefillah, avoida. A place dedicated to avoida doesn't go anywhere. A shleisha dvaram these are the three structures. Structures, houses. Base Medrash, Teire, Base Knesset, Tfila, which was Avoida. And Base Amigdosh. What about the Gimilas Chasadim? That's a good question. We don't have a house, right? The Bitcholim. This is the Gemil's Chasarim house. I don't know, it's not in the Mishnah. Okay, good Kasha. I accept. We will have to retract that part. But you hear? There's no, by us, there's no houses. There's only tents. That's the thing. And Makeshir Limurateir, then. It's connected to Limurateir. I hear the mindset of that's where we live. Where I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing it, I'm not investing to the extent that I can't move, and I'm not moving to the extent that I can't invest. I'm investing fully. This is my life, and I'm taking it seriously. And it's, oh, but I'm, I'm with an eye out. I'm keeping conscious. And if things start to change, I don't sweep them under the rug. I say, hoo hoo, this was a mistake. We're going to have to pack up and move, honey. New life. New life. I need all that courage and strength to pull that off. What does that have to do with Torah? Because literally, that's somebody asked me recently, what's the master skill here? I'm going to tell you that we want to train them in. So I don't know if there's a master skill, but one of the master skills is the ability to do this. The ability to believe something for real. To have a pshat. Rava. To have Rava's pshat. And you believe it. Vayeshev. You sat on it. You sat on the pshat and you are on board with Rava. Oh, Rava, you're good. I believe it 100%. Strong. I would argue it with anyone. Bring anyone. I'll argue with them. I'm a Rava man. From now till the day of my death, I bend the knee 
and swear my sword to Rava forever with this brilliant thing that he said. And then comes Abai with a kasha. Abai now has a kasha on Rava. Am I going to be able to hear this kasha? Am I so, did I build a house around Rava that I'm now impervious to Abai's attacks? Not at all. I'm in a tent, personally. And with the tent, I can pick up my tent out of Rava's camp, march it across the picket lines there to Abai's camp and set up shop over there. If Abai brings in new information that I didn't know before, new ways of looking at things I didn't think of before, and now I can say, oh, wow, Abai. That is something else. I didn't think that before. I didn't think, whoa, that's a, that's a novel approach. That's a novel way to read that or to think about that. Ooh, you got me. And now I can start supporting Abaye and be on his team and be anti-Rava, the guy who I just was uh, his, his, what do you call it? I was just his uh, right-hand man. And now I've switched teams. And I'm totally on board with Abai, invested in Gami. And now we ask, hey, that's such a good kasha. What was Rebbe thinking? What was his havamina? And in thinking about that, I pick up my tent again. And I move it back to Rava. And I set up shop again in Rava, investing and investigating and immersing, immersing until I can say, whoa, Rebbe, I get what you're doing. Oh, I'm sold. I'm in. This is pshat. This is pshat. Never going to change. This is pshat. But I'm in an OL because I can go back to a buy and move back and forth. This is the skill. And a lot of people misunderstand this, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk it out. A lot of people think that what it means is that I can flip back and forth from the different positions. I could show you what he thinks, what he thinks. That's a very cerebral, external relationship with it could show you he was thinking this and he said this, and let's move on. That's not what we're talking about. That's not, it's for sure part of the process, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, the master skill is, I could believe that. I could believe what he's saying. And then switch and believe something totally different. I could believe it. I thought I could understand it, I could see what he's saying. I could believe it. I could be so, he could sell it to me. He could sell that to me and I would buy it. If he knocked on my door and selling me this bill of goods, I would buy it. And now I'm thrown in the garbage and buying something else. That level of vayeshev, of uh, what's it called, that I am, that invested in this, that now it's my shot. And then I'm willing to throw my shot in the garbage and go with your shot, and then we do that over and over and over, and to buy Rava, Havamina Vabai, then I gotta go that all that was just Rashi's version of the Shakavatari, and now the Ramban says, Rashi, you've lost your mind, and that's not the Shakavatari, and now I have to do a, two Shakavataris, one for Rashi, one for the Ramban, and figure out the Havamina of Rashi against the Ramban's attack about the Shakavatari, and all of it the same thing, all of it investing fully setting up shop in one day 
living there. So I get it and then picking it up, packing it up, moving over to the other camp and then living there in full. Not Vayagra, but Vayeshev. That skill is what we're talking about. That's what Vayeshev O'alim, I believe, means. And that is an Ishtam. That's the Ishtam. They say the Ishtam and the Ishchacham go the, the, with the Banim in Pesach. We're ahead of ourselves in Pesach. But the Chacham and the Tam go together. And the Rosh and Shem Elisha go together. Now, Rosh Hashem the Elisha, the Rosh's, the answer to the Rosh is given by the Shem the Elisha. They clearly are a package deal. But the Rosh, but the Tzadik and the Tam, in our interaction with them is very similar. The impetus is that the Tam just asked Mazos. And I believe the Tam is by Pigeon Petr Hamor, where there's a lot to ask about. Right? It's a little bizarre activity of you know, behead, beheading donkeys and such. He says, what is this? What is that, the Tom? The Tom is the guy who's capable of recognizing that something's off. Something's off, guys. Something's not right. What is this? What is this? That's the Tom. And that's the Mida behind the Yeshev Ayhalim. That's the Mida that you're going to need to do this practice, that you're going to live and you're going to live in full. But keep the Mazais. It's the Mazais that'll turn you into an Ohel dweller so that you'll be able to move to somewhere else. Okay? So going back to our initial, initial um, ideas with the Harvard Gold program and those things, you want to create these static worlds that may help you attain your static goal, but it's not going to make you successful. My brother, Josh, God bless him, he majored in college in sculpture with a minor in economics. And what did he go on to do? He go on to help build the internet. You can go on his uh, site and you see all the different websites he contributed to, things like Amazon, you know, that, that level. I don't really understand what he does. SQL, SQL programming. I don't get what it is, but it's apparently a big thing and he's president of it. Right? And he flies all over the world. He's big. This, he's a, literally in that world, he changed the world. The world that we know now is somewhat, in some tiny way, the result of the efforts of Josh Burgess. That didn't come from his prep. That was a hobby he had as a teenager in Texas. His little computer hobby in the mid-80s in San Antonio, Texas, that got him made fun of. That hobby ultimately is what became his future. That wasn't the plan. The plan was to be an artist. But the world changed. Mid-90s, when he was ready to work, the world changed. Computers were the thing, and all of a sudden, it wasn't his college training and all of his degrees that, in theory, were the things that were meant to help him transition into life. It was his 15-year-old hobby that had actually best prepared him for life. And he said, okay, so let's not do this. We'll do that. And he was very successful. But that, those meters are things that everybody needs to work on, and I think we are. If you're learning properly, you're doing that all day. Every sugya, you are that guy. You're by definition when you're learning correctly. By definition. 
but you have to be, don't fall into one of the two camps. Don't vayeshev and then not be able to hear the other guy say, well, I just don't understand what Abai is saying. Rava seems so posh, I don't understand what Abai is saying. He sounds nuts. And let's move on. Or also don't say, yeah, Rava is saying the cheftza and Abai is saying the gavra, and now let's move on. Right? You're so tenty that you didn't really vayeshev. You didn't really buy it. You're just like a tourist. You're just identifying, you know, that he went here and he went here. But you're not with him on the journey. He didn't sell it to you. You don't believe it. Not even a little bit. You don't believe anything. These are the thoughts that I had about goals. And so the maskana, of course goals are important to make. And I don't doubt the fake Harvard study that if you had clear goals... You're going to be better at attaining those goals. It sounds almost like a retarded thing to study. It's so obvious. But success in life is not, that's not the mida. Success in life is that you'll pursue those goals. Vayeshev style, for real. But you'll do it in a tent. It's your willingness, your mazois, an ishtam, to be an ishtam, and to ask mazois when something gets weird. And to activate the tent and take it down and say, we're moving somewhere else. Regardless of how much effort was put into this mistake, I'm going somewhere. I'm going where it's really at, which is over there. And I'll set up shop there and live there until my Ishtam Mazlishness notices something else has changed. And my whole life becomes a dynamic process of immersion in life and then separation, packing up and movement in life. I'm a very dynamic being. Right? That's the real goal of what we're looking for. Bizrat Hashem.